professional conflict is a fantastic thing. I don't know that you can truly grow. I don't know that you can truly run a successful organization without it. If you don't have conflict, and especially dealing with different mindsets, if you don't have conflict, you're doing something wrong. Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. Good morning and welcome back to Access Points Podcast. As always, my name is Davin Marceau, the Chief Operating Officer with Access eForms, and I'm here in the holiday spirit with our owner and CEO, Tim Elliott. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks, Davin. Holiday spirit. I like that. <laughs> you know, holiday spirit is subjective and it looks different to different people, but this is as festive as we get here at Access. Does this mean you actually have a heart? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's made of coal. Okay. Which is, I, I actually got that as a gift as a young child, but yeah, and it puts me in the holiday spirit. I'm sure the coal was well-deserved, my friend. Oh, you have no idea. So how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was good. I got to spend it with some family and kind of chill. So uh, yeah, it was really nice. And yours? Same. It was good. It was nice and low key. Did a little prime rib on the smoker and uh, it was good. Went over to some friend's house and, and, and had a good time. And in that vein, you know, I, I want to lean into this a little bit about this concept you were talking about. Tim, for our audience, is getting ready to buy himself a Traeger grill in order to be able to cook stuff. Oh, it's done. It's on order to be delivered hopefully this week. And for barbecue enthusiasts, we call that an easy bake oven. Absolutely. And I have no issue with that. <laughs> You're killing my vibe here, man. I, I, was, I was hoping to talk a little garbage. I know, but, I know but, you wanted to rip on me a little bit, but <laughs> this is from a guy who literally gets up three times in the middle of the night to go feed more wood into the fire so that it has consistent temperature. And I would rather turn a dial that is connected to the electrical outlet so that it feeds pellets into the grill and keeps it a constant temperature while I sleep soundly until the morning. So that's the difference between us. You know, we talked this one time on Access Points podcast about the growth is in the struggle. <laughs> and I believe, Tim, that that pertains to briskets as well. And we also talk a lot about what we learn from our mistakes <laughs> and, and how not to make those same mistakes again. And uh, so I guess we just go about it two different ways. For sure. And, you know, a lot of times these new, more efficient ways lead to a watered down product similar to Traeger grills versus a, a, an offset oh. smoker. But nonetheless, you know, it really truly is about production of the best end product relative to the effort involved. Which is really a great lead in to today's topic. <laughs> it, it, actually, it really is. And that's vision versus operations. Yeah, it, it's something you and I hold near and dear to our hearts and what we do and, and how we do what we do. Right, and it's actually not even just what we do, it's kind of who we are. Yeah. And it's, and it's what makes us up. And when you look at our Colby's and our Clifton's, it lends itself to the fact that you are an entrepreneur and a visionary to your core. That is who you are. Is that a fair statement? That's uh, very fair, yes. Right. And then juxtapose that to me, I'm an operations guy to my core. And it makes us a unique duo for sure. We don't always see eye to eye on things because we approach problems from different angles. And a lot of times we land in the same spot, but we just do it completely different because you do it through the eyes of a visionary and I do it through the eyes of making the vision executable. Yeah. You know, one of the, the fun things, if you think about or kind of visualize kind of how we think, and if, if we were to take a whiteboard and we, at the top of the whiteboard, we were to put a problem or an issue or whatever, right? And then split that whiteboard down the center. And on the left-hand side, I would write out all the things that I think would solve the problem. 
and you were to write on the right hand side all the things that you would do to solve the problem while you don't see me right and I don't see you right. You know, if, if you look at the core of what the difference is, what would be on that board is exactly what we're talking about today. And that the way you go about solving problems are very operational, very you know, when execute on these things. And I'm more of, there's a way around these. Let me come up with some ways to get around them. So if you think about it, you're more the push through guy and I'm the workaround guy. And so, you know, for you, I know that you look at something and you see steps to get through the problem or eliminate the problem or make it where the problem never occurs again. And I'm more of a, you know, if you think about it, it's a shortcut. So instead of going and spending two weeks or three weeks or two months or whatever of eliminating the problem, boy, let's just spend a day and a half and just get around it and not deal with it. It doesn't make either one wrong. You know, the shortcut is exactly what it is, is a shortcut. And sometimes those problems persist and they come back again. Whereas when you, you know, you plow through them, you come up with a process so that hopefully it doesn't happen again. But that goes back to your process guy. I'm an anti-process guy. The things that feed you are the things that drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. And for those that are listening, stop and think about how do you address a problem? If you haven't done Colby's and Clifton's and, and the things that we talk about on the podcast, if you'll just stop and think about if there's a problem in front of you, how do you go about solving it? And you're going to relate to either Davin today or you're going to relate to me today. And, and that helps you understand probably the way that you think. And once again, it doesn't make either one right or wrong. In fact, in conjunction, they can work very well together, which we'll talk about. But if you really go down to who are you connecting with today on this podcast is going to help you understand the way you think. So if you took a problem and just come up, you know, let's, let's maybe come up with an issue, maybe one we've dealt with, or maybe one we're dealing with or just random one. And we can kind of talk about how we might either plow through that or, or do a shortcut around it. No, I, I love that. And oftentimes you, you talk about that whiteboard with, with the vertical line. And you come up with a way that you'd solve a problem or the issues associated with the problem. And I'm on the other side of that. The unique thing about it is 99% of what we put on the board is going to be the same thing. Yeah. But it's, it's how we go about solving the problem. And it, that's an important thing to note with this too, is we joke about it and we joke about, you know, almost vision versus operations, but they are so important to one another and they work in concert with one another. And if as an organization, you find the vision clashing with the operations, then there's some deconflicting you need to do at the leadership level. And it does lend itself a little bit to natural conflict, but they could, should, and need to feed one another. You know, operations is really nothing without the vision behind where it is that we're going. But operations is also going to feed the vision on the tail end. What did we get done? So then how do we in turn take what is left and feed that back into the vision to make things happen to feed operations, so on and so forth, right? Right. Super important point to note on that. But going back to it, we do land on things very differently. We do. And something I'll add to that is, you know, the word trust is huge. And I, I know in the past is that me not really understanding how my brain works and how I think has led me to have a lack of trust in people around me that I share that vision with and that I expected them to think like I do. 
and I expected them to get it. So I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, I guess a good example of kind of how my brain thinks is we do a podcast, but I listen to podcasts a lot. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite stories is I'll start a podcast and Cody has talked about this too. I'll start a podcast and I'll hear something. I did that this morning on the way and I'll hear something on the podcast, which leads me to an idea which leads me to another idea. I talk about the doors, right? It opens a door for me and then another door and another door. And finally, it leads to something completely different than what I stopped listening to the podcast about. By the way, the podcast is still playing while I'm doing this, right? I'm just completely zoned out on it. And I get this great idea and then I'll come to the office and I'll write it on my whiteboard and I'll come into a meeting or or draw somebody in and, and try to talk through that. And they look at me and I get a lot of head shaking and I assume that they know exactly what I'm saying and what I'm talking about when the reality is I'm talking out of context. I'm throwing this idea because I'm so excited about it and they have no clue where it came from. And, you know, for me, it makes sense because I've been through those doors and they don't know where those doors are. So what I'm getting at is when I get that idea and I share it with people, I expect them to get it to understand it, understand the why, understand why it's important and to run with it. And if they don't do that, then what it does for me is it leads to mistrust. Either in my brain, I say they don't care, they're not smart enough, they don't get it, or they're not capable. And in the past, that's not always been the case, but that's my assumption. And what's been great about you being here is that if you don't completely understand something, you'll look at me funny and say, help me understand better. I don't assume then that you understand exactly what I said. And for you questioning me is a good thing because number one, it's important that I, that you know what I'm trying to accomplish. And number two, it's a good mirror back to, it makes me think about this and go, hmm, this is really that great of an idea in the first place. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But when you leave, you're really good about repeating back exactly what it is that we need to accomplish and how we need to go about it. Because in your brain, you're already coming up with the steps it's going to take to execute this. And when you leave the room, I feel 100% confident that you get it and you're going to report back to me on where we are with it. And it gives me peace and it lets me stop and use my brain power to continue to be visionary and not worry about how is this going to happen? Because my brain does not work at all in an execution format. And for me to do that takes 90% of my brain power. And that's not a good place for me to be. No. And, and I've, I've seen you there in the operation side because you, you felt like you needed to be, or, you know, the ball got dropped or something. It adds a level of destabilization to you, to me, to everybody around us, because we're at that point, you're not operating in your strengths. And, you know, there's, there's a trust issue, you know, even acute that, that we need to work through in order to get things back online. And again, what you're talking about, Tim, I think is, is the marriage between vision and operations and is operators of the company. This is where you need to have a trust, but B the courage to ask questions, because I think frankly, all too often leaders are scared to poke holes in the plans of the boss. That's true. The boss is the one that cuts the paycheck. So I dare not question him on what it is that he's thinking because I'm going to be put on the bad side of Tim, but it's actually vitally important to ask those questions and don't even view it as you can call it poking holes if you want, but it's really seeking clarity on the vision because oftentimes these things are incredibly conceptual and 
I'm not nearly as conceptual. So I have to take these thought bubbles, these ideas that you have in your head, and I have to turn them into buttons and levers that we can push and pull in order to get to the desired end state. And you can't do that without following up and without getting more details in your thought process or repeating back and saying, hey, Tim, so what I'm hearing is this, right? And then you'll say it and then I'll be like, okay, well, and we'll kind of go back, we'll iterate a little bit and then we at least leave there with me having a concrete enough idea to turn into a product or a, Tim's favorite word, a process. Right. <laughs> Love those. And so let me give the listeners two takeaways from this part of our conversation. And, and that is if you're the visionary, make sure that when you're sharing that, that people that you're sharing it with actually get it and understand it and have them repeat back to you what it is that they understand and the why behind it. If you are the operational mindset, do not leave a conversation with your boss or whoever the visionary is without making sure that you 100% understand what it is they're trying to accomplish. There's nothing that can lead to a trust deficit faster than you assuming that you understand and you don't. There's been a lot of people at Access that have probably shortened their careers because of that fact is I have lost trust in them because they said they understood, but they really didn't. And they were afraid to push back or they were afraid to question And what people didn't understand. And I think you do is, is that pushback, those questions feed me. It make me rethink my vision, rethink what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. And that's not a bad thing. I need that mirror from someone that doesn't think like me. But at the same time, it's important that if you are of the operational mindset, it's one thing to ask questions, but careful not to over question, Mm -hmm. right? Is that it just because it's not the way you think, just because it's not your idea, don't poo poo on the idea. Worst case scenario, let it sit for a little bit, right? And it's either going to thrive or it's going to die. And, and for you to question that vision or that idea in the right way, meaning trying to understand it is great. Trying to question it because you don't agree with it or it's not the way you think is the wrong way to do it. Absolutely. And that's includes political capital. How have you done it in the past? Because there's been plenty of times where you've given me a, a vision, an idea, and I've push back like I normally do. And it's not always well received. And, and, and that's, is, is the person that has to make these ideas executable. Sometimes people are just in a bad mood and they're not in the mood to hear people push back. But what I've always appreciated about you is even if we don't agree in the moment, or we have some kind of heated words back and forth, we always end up circling back to it and we're able to remove the emotion out of it. Not, not, not necessarily in the moment, but at least probably by the end of the day, we circle back and we're like, and you're always like, Hey, okay, I, I got it. Or same thing for me. Hey, all right, boss, I hear you. I get it. You know, moving forward with this thing. Right. And that's where, again, going back to, to the word courage and trust is you have to a build up the trust with, with, with your boss by successful execution. If you're an operator, but you also have to have the courage to it's dangerous using the phrase push back, but certainly ask questions mm-hmm. and reiterate to make sure that if there's any gap in communication, any, any gap in the concept is removed by the end of it. It's that that's something important that, that you just mentioned. And that is, is a lot of times we in the marketplace or in the office, or if you're remote, whatever it is, is you run from conflict. 
A lot of people don't like conflict, think conflict is bad. And it's another podcast from the day, but I'm here to tell you that conflict is a great thing. Professional conflict is a fantastic thing. I don't know that you can truly grow. I don't know that you can truly run a successful organization without it. If you don't have conflict, and especially dealing with different mindsets, if you don't have conflict, you're doing something wrong. That conflict that you mentioned is, you know, you may disagree with my thought. You may disagree with the way I think it should happen. I may disagree with the way you would go about it, but taking that break and coming back at the end of the day and us rethinking it, it tends to round off the edges in that when you're in the moment and you're discussing those things, things seem sharp and giving it a couple hours, maybe end of day tends to round off those edges that you can find something that works for the visionary and for the operator. And that middle ground is sometimes it's not even middle ground. Maybe it's just coming to, to a solution or to a decision is really what it's all about. And the way you go about doing that sometimes is time. Maybe it takes a little bit of time. I think it's a little bit of a difference, Tim, between tension and conflict. We're going to have tension, the executive team, we're going to have tension on the way that we think and the way that we we get things done. Uh, it, it's having, you know, the accountability measure, it's, it's having the maturity to turn that tension into healthy conflict that helps make a productive executive team. Because you are naturally going to disagree with each other on certain things. But if you are unwilling to lean into that and turn that into a little bit of healthy conflict, that leads to a whole lot of counterfeit yeses. Which is going back to trust. That is the worst thing that you could possibly do. And there's been a lot of uh, ruined careers at Access because of counterfeit yeses. Right. And and it leads to, uh, it's lack of trust. It leads to backbiting. It leads to to fighting amongst the team. It leads to siloing of the teams. Uh, and, and, And that's why, again, going back to it, you have to be willing to lean in and disagree in a, in a productive yet professional manner. Yeah. In fact, an uh, example of that is just this morning, we had a call, we have a call on, on Mondays and, and I questioned some things uh, and I could tell that, you know, one of my ideas was not being executed on. And so I questioned that and I could tell that the other person that I was questioning was visually and audibly not happy with that about what I was trying to accomplish in the time frame that I wanted to accomplish it. And so I understood that and that's fine. And as soon as that call was over, I get a team's video come up from that person. And I got to tell you, what's funny is it's not actually what they called me about, but it made me super happy that, you know, I thought he was going to call and say, Hey, what's up? Or, you know, why? Or I disagree or, and it honestly, it gave me energy. I get, you know, you get excited. There's some people that call you get excited and some people that that call you that you don't, that got me excited because I thought, great, let's, we're going to have a discussion about it and we're going to come to a resolution. This is good. This is a good thing. And so, you know, my heart jumped a little bit and excitement is good. He's it's, it's a little bit of conflict. He's calling me to either escalate or to deescalate or find some kind of a ground that we can both work with. And it got me excited. So I love that. And that's, to me, that's extremely healthy. Right. And I think that's part of the modern day access that we see is, is that we are willing to lean in and have that conflict either in a group or whether it's, it's done in a sidebar conversation. And, and we've, we've been able to reap the benefits of turning that tension into conflict and healthy resolution and growth individually and professionally. So Davin, let's, let's do uh, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, let's do a little bit of a role play. Let's, let's, let's come up with either a issue we've dealt in the past, or let's just pull one out and talk through, I guess, how you and I would be different in handling that. 
the ideas we would come up with and how we would either shortcut around it or come up with a quick solution or more, you know, barreling through or, or pushing through the issue. I, I think one that comes to top of mind for me, Tim, is the user interface stuff that we're working on right now. You know, Tim, you, you came about a month ago and said, hey, we, we wanted to really turn one of our products into something that was a little bit more elegant and sexy and, mm-hmm. and, and user friendly because it's going to be the patient that's that's touching this product rather than than a clinician. The clinicians are used to something that's a little bit more utilitarian, form follows function, versus this is going to be touched by the patient who are used to and accustomed to day by day something that's that's, again, very intuitive and user friendly. Which originated from a huge fear that I have that this is going to get out and I call it the 85 year old grandma is not going to be able to use this thing. And, you know, that goes back to, you know, some other mindsets of, you know, fear setting of, wow, what's the worst thing that can happen in my mind? And I I play those things through in my mind and thinking through that, that scares me. That scares me that what the patient sees is not going to be good enough or easy enough to use. And so that's why that was brought up. Right. So do you want to role play like, like through the conversation we had and then how we would go about doing it? Sure. Okay, great. So I, I think you just did. You, you were talking about the 85 year old grandma effect. Right. So I'm like, okay, so Tim, I guess what I'm hearing you say is we probably need to engage, you know, a, a UX expert to get this thing done. Right. Is, is, is that what I'm hearing? What you hear me saying is we've got to find a way just to fix this thing. Got it. When do you want it done by? I'd like it done before end of year. By end of year. Okay. So I guess what we probably need to do is I need to set up a call with Scott. I probably need to pull Cody and Mike and Dave onto a call to begin kind of socializing, you know, do we know somebody, um, you know, and, and what exactly this thing needs to look like? What do you think about that? Yeah, that's great. Now, in my mind, as you're saying that, let me tell you what's going on with the little, mm-hmm. little guy sitting in the back is I'm scared to death that you're not going to uh, express my vision of what the true issue is. And I'm afraid that when you talk to these guys, it's going to turn into a big process and the result of that is going to be we're not really going to fix the problem. We're going to get something that makes it look better or different or some kind of a format change and not really address the main issues with what the patient's going to see. That's my fear. And so back to our role play, the next thing I'm going to say, which I did say is I'd like to be part of those meetings. Right. And that was going to be the next thing is, is, as the operator, you have to understand where your strengths lie. And one of my strengths in this company is not in the product. I'm not the product guy. So I know that the best person to articulate his vision on this is going to be Tim. So I did and would include you on that call to make sure that there's, we're able to go direct because sometimes this isn't really interesting aside as, as, as an operations guy, you have to understand that sometimes you're needlessly putting yourself in there as the middleman. There's turning vision into, into operations. And I'd say probably 80% of that is what I do well and filter it. But you also have to have enough wherewithal to know when to step out of the way and when you're actually creating a process for the sake of creating a process. And I think this UX project was a perfect example of that. Find out when, you know, there are points as the operations guy when you do need to be involved and you need to have your expertise on it, but it's gonna be on stuff like contract negotiations Mm -hmm. and on dates and timelines and executables, but perfect example of when to step the heck out of the way and let the visionary work with the proper who's to make sure that they understand it can t- can turn and run with it. And, and to me, being on that call, I would want you to start the call mm-hmm. because I wanna hear your version of what I'm trying to create and what I'm trying to do communicated to the people on that group. That tells me how well we've communicated and it tells me, are you on the same page with me? 
Right. And what you're really good about is you're usually good about doing that and going, Tim, would you add to that? Or can you clarify that mm -hmm. or whatever? And so that gives me a chance to, once again, to round those edges off a little bit for the group and make sure that they really understand what we're trying to get. Because in your head, you already come up with steps. And to me, I'm not good at the steps. I don't care about the steps. That's your job and you're really good at it, but I just don't want that message being watered down as the steps go through the process. Right. right. And so as long as I'm a part of that and, and how many times have I been on a call like that and not said anything, I, and, and if, if it's going well and it's boy, that's great. That makes me happy. We're headed down the right direction and you're pretty good about reporting back to me of where we are with it. And like just on, on the call this morning, it's all that's in process. We have someone that's been contracted. Yeah, I think they start this week and you know, Scott is now leading that. And so once again, the guy on my shoulders whispering in my ear, does he really understand what we're trying to do? You know, have, have we contracted this person and what we're going to wind up with is not what I wanted to wind up with. And we've wasted all this money and time. You know, Scott does think a little bit like I do, but yet doesn't. And so, you know, what I said was, hey, I'd love to be on that call. I'd love to be on that kickoff call uh, because I want to make sure that that message is being delivered to this contractor in the exact way and that in this case, she understands exactly what we're trying to accomplish. And that's hard. And it's hard for, it'll be hard for Scott. It'll be hard for you. It'll be hard for everybody, for me to be on there because I'm not the operation guy. There's nothing I can do on this call, but muck up the waters. And I won't muck up the waters as long as the vision is being communicated in the right way. So, you know, talk about the, you know, the different people sitting on my shoulders. There's on the left shoulders is trust. Hey, you got to trust them, Tim. And the right shoulder, it's, but can you, are they really going to get that message? Do they really understand that vision? And, and that's where almost the trust and verify thing mm -hmm. comes into play. And that is I do trust and I trust you and I trust Scott and I trust the whole group, but it also frees my mind up to verify that every now and then so that I know that that message is being clearly stated and the results we're going to get from the project are going to be exactly what I want to have happen. Right. And we altered a little bit from, from the role play, but I think we, we hit some really interesting points. And for me, we're talking about the dance that is a vision and operations mm -hmm. is there's times where I need to step in mm -hmm. and there's times where I need to step away mm -hmm. and there's times when I need to filter mm -hmm. and there's times when I need to remove the filter. Mm -hmm. And you have to know as an operator, what the owner, the CEO is, what their baby is. I know your baby is the product. Like it came from your mind. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's what you love. It, it's your, in, in part, it's your legacy of what you're bringing to the healthcare world. And, and I know that, that, you know, I've been here for two years. And my knowledge of the product is, is a fraction of a fraction of a percent of what yours is. So I know when it comes to product and the UX project being a part of that, that it's best for me to step back and let you step forward and make sure that you get a hundred percent clarification, warm and fuzzy, that, that what you want to be done is understood. And then I can step back in and I can ensure the, the execution of that vision. And you talk about muddy in the waters. A lot of times after, after the water's muddy, what comes is just pure clarification, right? The water's mm -hmm. still, the, the sediment settles, and now I can really truly see. So 
sometimes you stepping in and muddying it up is exactly what we need because all that shows that there is a gap in communication and then we're able to close it either on that call or the tail end of that call by me stepping back in, engaging with you, making sure that I got it. Here's what I thought I heard. Here's what I hear now. Are we good? Let's go. And that's where, you know, you talk about you stepping in and stepping back. I have to do the same thing and that I can't be a part of this whole thing. The water will never clear up if I'm always in it because I'm always going to be looking at what's happening and, oh, we can do that better. Or I've got another idea or for it to actually happen, I have to step away. And, and that's one of the big differences between a visionary and an operation person. And we've talked about this a ton, nothing, if, if I was in charge, nothing would ever get done. We would just have a bucket of ideas. Davin is the person then that takes those visions or those ideas or whatever it might be and actually executes on those things to make sure they get done and get done the right way and get done in a way that's repeatable. And that's where I'm not good. That's where a visionary really struggles is with people part. So, you know, I keep talking about shortcuts is when I see a problem for me, I want to create a quick shortcut around it and move on because all that is, is a roadblock and the way to get around a roadblock is go around it. Eh, but that's not a good long-term solution, right? Is I can get past that roadblock with a great idea. Super. That gets us past it for the moment. But the reality is there's about 15 more in front of us that are bigger and bigger and bigger. And if we don't address those things at some point in time, that it's going to really slow us down. And I'm about speed and movement and ideas and what's next. And you're about making sure we do things right. And those two things, you know, we talk about the differences between the two mindsets. That's where that conflict between those two really works. And that's, it takes the ideas to figure out what's the problem and some creative ways around it, but it takes an operational person's mindset to make sure that things happen the right way at the right time and make that repeatable. And we used to be that we were in a constant state of flux. And that was when I want everything done my way. And here's the steps that need to happen. And that changes every three days. So people were fearful. They didn't know, they didn't know what I really wanted and it was confusing. It was not a good place to be. And it makes for a difficult workplace. And a lot of it is done with good intentions, though. And I think a really good anecdote for that, Tim, was was the product and how we were super willing to pivot with a customer to be able to create a, a very customized solution that, that worked for them. And a lot of times it, it included, you know, kind of, you know, making some some changes to make that customer happy and it worked and they were happy and we moved on. But the problem over time is when, when I came in on the operation side, I noticed that we had so many of those that it became exceedingly difficult for for our sport team. Mm -hmm. And so how do we take that willingness to pivot and to be the bootstrap company that we are and the entrepreneurial and outside of the box thinking company that we are, but make sure that our product is supportable in a scalable and repeatable fashion. Right. And that, that is a huge kind of marriage of, of vision and operations. And, and it took us a while, mm -hmm. but we're, we're there or we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're getting there to where we are willing to meet the customer's needs. We're willing to pivot. We are willing to do these things. But again, on the tail end of that, it's our implementation and support teams are better suited to be able to handle it again in a way that they treat, they can treat customer A the same as they can treat customer Z. Right. And I have to be willing to, as the visionary of, in this case, the product to let go of the 12 things and allow only six of them to happen, but the six happen well and they're supportable and repeatable. 
and put the next six in the next sprint or the next year or whatever it is, them to be okay with that. And then in turn to see the customer response from both of those things of, I know we're not going to get this in a timeframe we necessarily want to. However, boy, the product sure is working well. And I don't know what's going on with their support team, but they sure seem to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that also is that the customer satisfaction just doesn't just come with the feature sets, but they come with a better experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it, an important note for that is you talk about the 12 things that you're willing to let go of and, and the six that you're hanging on to is those six are so firmly out of my wheelhouse that if if I tried to just do those 12 and ignore those six, the product would never evolve because mm-hmm. I lack the ability, I lack the vision to evolve the product. I can take the product and I can make it super executable and easy to install and easy to support, but we would have stagnation across innovation mm-hmm. because that's not what I do, right? Right. That's that conflict mm-hmm. that works well. And so the takeaway today for me and hopefully for you, the listener is, do you see my mindset or do you see Davin's and what is it that clicks with you and whatever that is, you know, the takeaways are different. So as a visionary, my recommendation to you is, is to don't stop being a visionary, but at the same time, let go of the vision when you've communicated it completely to someone that's operational and let it go, get reports back on how it's going, but let them do their job. And then if you're the operational mindset is to listen, to repeat back, sometimes push back a little bit, question in the right way, respectfully, to make sure you understand exactly what it is that that visionary is looking to do or to accomplish, and then go do it. And then report back is important part of that too, to make sure the visionary knows that things are happening the way that well, they're happening. They don't have to happen the way the visionary thought. So as you think about those different mindsets and you relate to one of those, think about those takeaways we talked about today. And and hopefully those things will make you better. They'll make you a better visionary. They'll make you a better operator. And hopefully you'll be able to handle conflict and sometimes even create conflict in the right way to, so that you can smooth those edges and actually get stuff done and get stuff done the right way. I love that. Turn tension into conflict, turn conflict into healthy resolution, and turn that healthy resolution into growth. See, once again, the operator putting in his steps. I like it. Short, concise, buddy. (laughs) Hey, really good episode. I'm super glad we were able to talk about that, Tim. I loved your input as the visionary, and I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Hey, and for our listeners, as always, go to our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter. Give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a tweet. Go check out our website at accessefm.com and check out that impression offering that Tim and I are talking about. As always, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. See you.